More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show from KTRH down in Houston. We are having a fantastic time. Looking forward to seeing a lot of you at our event, Texas Barbecue, Beer, and Bourbon, tonight in the Houston area. Buck, one of the big discussion points around Ukraine has been that we are effectively fueling both sides of the conflict. We're giving hundreds of millions of dollars in support and material to Ukraine while we are simultaneously buying 600,000 barrels of oil from Russia every day, giving them tens of millions of dollars every single day as the price of oil continues to go up. And so there has been a discussion surrounding why in the world would we continue to give any money at all to Russia while we're engaged in the sanctions that we're trying to uh, economically provide a great deal of hardship. For a lot them. of a lot of money, by the way, as well. Yes. Right? Yeah. Tens of millions of dollars every day. And so Joe Manchin addressed this. And by the way, Joe Manchin has been one of the most reasonable people uh, in the Democratic Party, maybe by far the most reasonable person. Did you notice uh, at the State of the Union, he actually sat with the Republicans, which I thought was somewhat intriguing. We'll see what he decides to do in 2024 in a couple of years, whether he runs for the Senate again, whether he potentially becomes an independent, whether he starts to caucus with Republicans, who knows? But he says, we talked about this the other day, sometimes you have to have difficult discussions. And the question is, okay, if you're not going to take Russian oil, how much more are you willing to pay for gas in order to support Ukraine? He says he'd gladly pay more, but is he talking about paying enough more? Let's listen to Cut 15 here. You need a horsepower to run a country. You need a horsepower to be the superpower of the world and be able to have your allies depend on you. And we haven't been there for that. We've throttled back and never throttled back up. That's all I'm saying. And I'll, I'll just say this for my own. I would gladly. If, if, if ever was a poll being taken, they said, Joe, would you pay 10 cents more a gallon to support the people of Ukraine and stop basically the support of Russia? I would gladly pay 10 cents more a gallon. Would you pay a dollar more a gallon? I mean, that's the real question, right? 50 cents more. How many people out there would be willing to do that, I think, is a fascinating question. And there would also be other economic implications of it. People would see the energy energy costs would go up, which means all costs go up. Our our economy is a fossil fuel economy still, despite the Green New Deal and AOC and Biden picking up all that nonsense and running with it. It's still a fossil fuel economy, so when it becomes more expensive, everything becomes pricier. And yeah, to your point, okay, ten cents a gallon more, people might say, yeah, fine, a dollar a gallon more. Let's say, let's say that we were told that you would have uh, a doubling of you know the unemployment rate and twenty or thirty percent, uh, twenty or thirty percent increase in cost of living over the next year or two. If this were to happen, I, doubling unemployment maybe that's too extreme, but I'm just saying real cost and consequence economically. Do the American people want that? Is is that something that we would advocate in favor of? Clearly, the Biden administration thinks no, because they're not willing to do this yet. 
I mean, this is you've got cluster bombs being dropped in Ukraine. You've got reporting about multiple assassination attempts against uh, Zelensky, the president of Ukraine. They're tightening the noose around city after city in Ukraine. They're going after the capital of Kiev. So we're not doing these things. When are we when would we do them, so to speak, from the Biden administration point of view? I think everyone realizes there there are costs we're willing to bear and there are costs that we're not. And I think it's such an intriguing question to contemplate. If we're talking about there, there are forecasts now, Buck, of the price of oil, a barrel of oil going to one hundred and seventy five or one hundred and eighty dollars. And to put that in context right now, and I don't have the price of oil directly open in front of me, but it was around $110, this week. It's continued to go up. 180 would be an all-time high, effectively. I believe 2008 uh, is the highest uh, the, the price of oil has ever been. And obviously, you got to adjust for inflation and all those things. But I believe we, were, we are rapidly trending towards an all-time high in the price of oil. What is interesting about this is right now, we're already at 7.5% interest uh, inflation. So we're probably headed for double-digit inflation as you really analyze just based on the price of energy. And the Biden administration is terrified of inflation being the overriding number one impact. Buck, you can study data on voting patterns. The number one thing that motivates people is the price of gas. Because they see it, they feel it in a way. I just talked about it earlier this week. It cost me $100 to fill up my car, and I didn't even get it all the way filled up. There are a lot of people like me out there in disbelief when you get to that $100 level to fill up your tank of gas, and you feel that in a way that you might not candidly feel a Big Mac costing a little more or a gallon of milk costing a little bit more. And I think we have to be prepared for the narratives to get about why this is a good thing in the sense of it's the price we pay to stick up for Ukraine. I think you have to be prepared for people to start saying, and I'm, gonna, I'm talking about those making the decisions, like the Biden administration and the top Pentagon officials who work for him and the Secretary of Defense. And uh, here, for example, is the kind of argument you're going to be hearing going forward more. It's Secretary of State Tony Blinken this morning, uh, and and here he is saying, well, Play clip 12. This is an aggression, a challenge, a threat that is relevant to the entire world. Because what's at risk, first and foremost, are literally the lives of Ukrainian men, women, and children. But beyond that, the very fundamental principles that we've established together after two world wars that are so important to keeping peace and security for everyone. Principles that President Putin is egregiously violating every single day. And if we allow those principles to be challenged, as Putin is doing now, with impunity, that will open a Pandora's box of trouble for not just us, but quite frankly, for the entire world. The whole world, Clay, a Pandora's box for the whole world, he's saying here. Hold on a second. What are these principles exactly? I mean, everyone opposes innocents being killed, and everyone opposes aggressive war on on moral grounds. Okay, that has been something that occurs, and we have we have actually been involved in wars, as we know, over the last 20 years, multiple times. So what does this mean? Why, you know, he says we have to stand up for a principle. To what extent? He also says that we're not, uh, that, that this is effectively going without punishment on Putin's part. No, we're doing economic things. We're doing the things that the diplomatic set always claims will be effective as a means of preventing conflict. It, it just feels like there's a, there's a whole... There's a whole set of the national security apparatus in this country and in the West more generally that says diplomacy, diplomacy. Oh, actually, things are getting rough. Let's send in the troops. And that's what we're trying to avoid here. That feels like where we're headed is when even when you hear the arguments about no fly zones, when, frankly, we started off the show talking about Lindsey Graham asking for someone to assassinate Vladimir Putin. It feels the longer this goes on that the accelerant continues to grow. And we should mention, by the way, Russia is certainly not without flaw when it comes to assassination plans. Uh, the Times of London uh, in England is reporting that Vladimir uh, Zelensky has already survived three different discrete assassination attempts by Russia. And you pointed out earlier, Buck, 
that if Russia had actionable intelligence that Zelensky was in a certain building at a certain point in time, I don't think there's any doubt that they would love to be able to wipe him out. He has become the personification, the symbol of the resistance in Ukraine. And we don't know if he's not there, does the martyrdom live on? Or if he's gone, does that just destroy, in many respects, the resistance itself? Clay, I spent time in two war zones as a, as, a, as a civilian analyst for the agency. You got kids. If your kids were of age, if, you're, if, one, of your, if one of your sons said, uh, I'm 19, I want to go, I want to go fight in Ukraine for these principles, what would you say to him? 100% no. Yep. Now he gets to make his own choice. Right. That's but, the challenge but, of being but, a parent. But what, what is, your dad advice, advice on this one? Yeah. One billion percent, no, you're not going. And you know, the challenge, I think, for so many parents out there is 18-year-olds are technically majority age. When you know that one of your kids is making an awful choice, you can argue against it. And by the way, it doesn't have to be war. It can be they're dating the wrong person or they're deciding to major in the wrong thing or they're not going to college or you think they're taking the wrong job. But I would 1 billion percent fight as hard as I could the idea that he's going to somehow go to Ukraine and fight. And I think the vast majority of people listening to us right now would say the same thing, that they think that's lunacy. Now, there's tens of thousands of people that are evidently pouring into Ukraine right now to take up arms and help fight for Ukraine, which seems wild to me, but it just points to, to me, what an incredible powder keg we are dealing with over there. You saw what happened with yeah. the potential dangers of the uh, nuclear plant that got uh, that got it looked like it might blow up for a while. I mean, there's people yeah. who are doing forecasts right now saying a billion people could die if we end up in a nuclear war scenario here. It just to, to Tony Blinken, Biden, Secretary of State, about about all the principles. Here's a principle. If I had a son who said I wanted to go fight either as a volunteer as part of this Ukrainian militia or i'm gonna go i'm gonna go join up because i want to get deployed with 82nd airborne or i want to go with the marines and and fight in ukraine i would say i don't think you should do that i don't want you to do that this is not our fight so if that's how i feel or would feel about a son and you who do have three sons feel i don't want someone else's son who fights for this country who serves in uniform for this country to get deployed to a war that i wouldn't send my own family member to and neither would you that's That's exactly right I think that's exactly right. 20 years ago on 9-11, this nation experienced our worst ever attack on American soil. We witnessed the loss of 2,977 people. Tunnel the Towers Foundation has been supporting America's heroes and their families ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young kids are left behind, Tunnel the Towers pays off their mortgage to lift the financial burden and bring the family stability. For severely injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel the Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling our most severely injured heroes to live more independent lives. And now, thanks to Operation Home Base, Tunnel the Towers is gifting tiny homes to homeless veterans. Our nation's heroes, people who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities, need your help. Help these heroes and their families. Join Tunnel the to Towers on its mission to do good in their honor. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2 of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear. 
navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Second hour of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show gets going right now. Thanks for being with us. We are in Houston, Texas. We are guests of our wonderful affiliate KTRH, which has a massive audience all across the Houston area. And for those of you listening on that station, uh, and many of you listening on other stations across the country, certainly know who is with us right now, the man himself, the czar of Houston talk, Mr. Michael Berry in studio. Michael, honored. Thanks so much for Glad the Glad to be with you, Buck. But it, it, for the record, it's the czar of all talk, not just Houston talk. <laughs> oh, yeah, Y'all cannot enter my czardom. You the, have your the, own you, space. <laughs> the czardom is international. The, the czar. The czar indeed. I like it. Do you spell it with a C or a T? Though? I spell it with a Z. I'm not Russian. Uh, and thank goodness, uh, what, the foresight to know. The story behind that actually was, you remember when... Obama was appointing people that couldn't get passed through the Senate. They couldn't get confirmed through the Senate. Yeah, of course. So he would name Van Jones the Green Czar because you didn't want his record being out there public. People would find out. And so he would name everybody a czar to something. And so he, on his 32nd czar, I said, all right, if he can name czars to everything, I'm the czar of talk. And so that was it. So I mean, he didn't last very long in that White House, by the way. You mentioned Van Jones. No, he, he didn't. But he's long. lasted longer at CNN, which is pretty impressive. It means he has a zipper on his pants. I mean, <laughs> got to give the guy credit. So tell us this, man. You know, we, we have been trying to, trying to fight for COVID freedom. We're going to talk about it more this hour because I come from New York City, which is – uh, has t- turned into very expensive East Germany during the yeah. COVID period. I mean, the lockdowns, the madness. Clay's obviously a Tennessee guy, so he didn't have to deal with the same level of crazy that I did. Texas, it feels like, was obviously better than New York, California during COVID. And everyone walks around here, there's no masks. It right. feels, although if you get into an Uber here, you still have to wear a mask, which is annoying. And you don't to the have airport, to. But... Right, but well, technically under their policy, you do. Yeah. Um, I've had to take the selfies, you know, yep. when you violate the policy, yep. so I'm sensitive to this. You have to keep taking the selfie? I only had to do it once. once. No, <laughs> yeah. I've had to do it probably five or six yeah. different so times. So is this your this punishment? That, like, yeah, they make you do on Uber. Yes. They You're make, kidding. They if, make you, you if somebody turns you in for not wearing a mask, then the next time you get an Uber... They have a you have to take a picture of yourself to send to them to verify that you have a mask in order to be able to book a car. Yeah. That's stupid. It's yes. crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. I've uh, never heard of that here, and I've never worn a mask in an Uber here, ever. So But he, I guess your question yeah, is. Yeah, how, how did taken. Texas do overall? How did you guys do in this, you think? Well, I think that the, the you have to realize, I mean, right now we're in the midst of the whole Texas independence thing that, you know, it, it was 1836, but we're in that 13-day period where the Alamo battle and all this, our Declaration of Independence from Mexico. This is a frontier spirit people, and they were all Tennesseans, by yeah, the way. A, a lot, lot of, of Tennesseans. Them. That's why we were the volunteer well, state. You met my well, son one last of the night. Reasons. Crockett is n- named after Davy oh, Crockett. Oh, that's awesome. Right? I mean, yeah. It, he died at the Alamo. We are a very frontier spirit people. And, you know, those things those things stay with your character. We're in the middle of the rodeo. Buck's going to be there on Saturday night and having a heck of a good time. Am I really going to get on a horse there, by the yeah, way? Because there are rumors. You're going in the cab. Oh, well, I didn't know this. This you're, is you're You should be a little bit nervous, I think. There's no way of getting on a horse, Travis. I, I'm just saying. I mean, that <laughs> seems like it, it's it's a recipe for viral the disaster sheep, yes. for you. I'm gonna, I'm yes. Disaster means yes. I'm gonna get on one of the little sheep like the kids do. You know, if you get tossed, if you get bucked on the uh, bucked, uh, no pun intended there, uh, on the the Houston radio, 
I mean, that thing is going to go viral as a meme. We're going to use that I, I all love the, time. the, the horse whisperer buck because finally that name started to mean something other than John Candy's portrayal oh, of yeah, Uncle yeah, Buck yeah. in the movie. Right. So horse whisperer buck is great. But I'm sorry, you were saying no, frontier no. spirit, Texas. Yeah. So people here don't do well with government. We resent government. We're still statewide Republican. I mean, we're still when Ted Cruz came out of the gate and the rest of the country thought he was crazy because he was talking about the Constitution and, and independence and freedom and, and these sorts of things and liberty, it, it people understand that we don't want that here. And our politicians understand we don't want that here. It's a pitched battle. We're not wearing masks. We're not getting vaccines. We're living our lives. We're going about commerce. We're raising our kids. We're we're opening our schools. And that's that's just how we do it. I need a grade from you, though, for Governor Abbott when it comes to COVID, COVID the defense of freedom. I know he just won the primary here. On a curve? Uh, on a curve, I'd give him a C- minus on a, you know, in an open... Uh, grading system, to be honest, I'd give him a D. You know, the rest of the country doesn't know that, that Abbott is no Ron DeSantis. He's no Ron DeSantis at all. Ra- Abbott is closer to Gavin Newsom and, and, uh, Cuomo Ouch. than he, yeah, wow. no, that is pretty, Ouch. that's an the, indictment. The, the range is hot. You know, he only won 66% of the, uh, of the vote in the Republican primary. Alan West and, and Huffines ran against him. Only two thirds of Republican voters in your own primary, when you're sitting on 65 million in cash running against Beto is an indictment that the base doesn't like you. So he has great name ID, spends a lot of money. He's not well liked among the base here. He's no Ron DeSantis, I'll tell you that. Is that he's race Glenn Youngkin? I mean, he's not. Yeah. That race is going to be not remotely close, though, right? Beto is dead in your mind. No, it'll it'll be closer than it should be. You think uh, so? Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Ted Cruz beat Beto in eighteen in in a in a year in a kind of a weird year, but he barely beat him. Yeah. And and it was a lot of money that came from California and New York. Abbott will beat him. Abbott will will poll higher because he'll pull more independence than Ted Cruz does. He's less liked by the base. Abbott will beat him, but Abbott's sitting on a pile of cash. It'll take everything he's got to to get there. Beto's a good campaigner. He is. We talked yesterday about the Hispanic vote and how much it's moving towards Republicans, particularly in South Texas. Do you feel that? Do you see it? Is it sustainable? Is it a real thing? Certainly it happened in 20. Will it grow in 22? You will. So you take Henry Cuellar's race. Henry Cuellar, a moderate Democrat, and he truly is a moderate Democrat, but he's hawkish on, you know, build the wall, seal the border. Cuellar got pushed into a runoff by an AOC-backed, you know, Bernie Sanders-backed candidate. So Cuellar's a guy that is is kind of a representative of where Hispanics, uh, Latinos on the border, Order are you know we talked about this at dinner last night. Latinos in this state are mostly Catholic. They're pro-life. Everything I'm going to say is anti-Democrat, right? They're pro-life. They're pro-family. They're military veterans. They're police officers. They're public servants. They're people of faith. Everything the Democrats stand for now is the exact opposite. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez does not represent them. And I think as we discussed last night, Trump is really good. Trump was really good at reaching out to these people because he didn't pander to them. He talked honestly to them. And yeah, you see it. You feel it. Especially second, third, fourth generation Latinos. First generation, we're still struggling. And a big part of that, obviously, is also the small business component to shut down everything with COVID. The Latino community wanted to work. That's exactly and right. The Democrats wanted to shut down, and so that continues. And the Latino honest, is there a harder working group of people than Latinos in this country? That's not pan. That's the god honest truth. They work, and the attention that the Democrat Party gave specifically to BLM and the riots, I think, in the election year also, because Trump did do better than the Republican average at a national level with Latino voters. Absolutely. And I think there was a sense of what is going on with law and order in this country too, which obviously also extends down to the situation at the border. I, w- I want to ask you about that a bit, because if there's one place where media, well, I can't really say that, a lot of places where media reality versus the actual reality has an enormous gulf, but on the border and border coverage, you don't see it a lot from the national outlets. You don't see much talk about it. The polling shows this is a top three concern nationally yep. for a lot, and it, it that's nationwide. That's not even just along the border, the border states. How are you seeing, last year was 1.6, 1.7 million, I think, encounters, the official number. Doesn't include gotaways. You're looking at basically 2 million illegal entries in the United States last year. How do you feel and see and hear about that reality 
as a Texan here along the border? That's Buck, that's a great question because it manifests itself in news stories. You know, nobody counts how many illegal aliens are standing at the Home Depot waiting on jobs. But where you see the number of illegal aliens and the, the real problem, where it manifests itself is that you'll have a murder by an illegal alien of, you know, a woman who's out for a job. And you 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 combine that with the, the bond reform, which meant that when you catch these guys, they're getting put back out on the street. So now it's a multiplier of their ability to do damage and wreak havoc. So you see these murders, you see violent crimes. That's a real problem. The sex trafficking is through the roof. That's that's a big problem. And the fentanyl deaths. I mean, this is the car, the cartel corridor. They're moving drugs up into our country across this border using mules that look like just a person that wants to cut grass or, or raise babies. And it's really, really bad on our streets. We're seeing record fentanyl deaths. And so I think you're seeing it manifested in violence. You're seeing it in sex trafficking, which is now way up. And you're seeing it in drug trafficking. What about the crime rate in Houston? We talked a little bit about this. Yeah. Everybody focuses on Chicago. There's been a great deal of discussion about New York and L.A., but Houston's crime has been out of control and gotten nowhere near the national attention. What's going on here? Fox News uh, two weeks ago declared, after the January numbers came in, declared Houston the murder capital of America. That's not something. You, you don't want to take that from Chicago. Let them have it. But the bond reform has been really bad. When Democrats swept in under Barack Obama, they took all the countywide seats. They took all the criminal district court judgeships. And as a result, they're just putting people back out. One guy was out on multiple bonds, murdered a police officer. And we've had just case after case after case of this. It's a perfect storm of awful. Democrat mayor, Democrat county judge, Democrat uh, district court judges, criminal court judges, Democrat sheriff. And so what you're you're witnessing is the cops are doing their job, but you bring somebody down with blood all over them and they're released back out on the streets the same day and they're out committing more crimes. It's really, really bad. We don't necessarily have more criminals. It's a multiplier effect on the, the damage that a criminal can, can, can do to a society because they commit more crimes when they would have been in prison before. Is there a blowback here like we're seeing in New York and L.A. Absolutely. against Absolutely. the district attorneys and everybody else? They, there was a blowback in the Democrat primary, Clay, which was really surprising. We had eight criminal court judges, Democrat criminal court judges in Harris County, the county you're sitting in right now, who were up for re-election and were contested. Five of them either lost outright. One of them was 17 percent of the vote in his own primary, a guy named Greg Glass. Five of them lost outright or are pushed into a, a runoff, and all of them are trailing. So even the Democrats understand that that bond reform has been a bust. You've got to have trials. You've got to you've got to punish bad people because what we're seeing is the victims of the crimes are minorities themselves. So the Democrat Party locally relies on the minority vote. That's been their stronghold. That's who's being hurt the worst by the crime that's being visited on this community. Before we let you go, Michael, the great uh, dream of the Democrats we hear it for we've heard it for many years is to flip Texas blue. We're at a time where Florida is trending more solidly red than anybody could have thought, I think, even a few years ago. How do we keep Texas red? Well, I think we, t we you, you have to hold your own among Latinos in South Texas, and we're seeing that. And a wide open border plays right into the hands of, of Republicans. We also need to do very well with suburban moms. That's where Trump really suffered in 20. Uh, we have to do well with suburban moms, and that's where I think mommy issues matter. Critical race theory, that matters to mommies. Uh, opening the schools, getting the masks off of them, transgender issues in the school, age-appropriate education, uh, these sorts of issues really matter. Educational choice to moms, these sort of things matter. That's how young can one in Virginia. That's how we keep, look how they turned Virginia red from being purple. And that's how we stay, we do that in Texas. We got an event tonight, Texas barbecue, beer and bourbon. What do you expect? What should people who are coming and we got a good crew uh, what should they expect? Well, first of all, they're going to get to meet Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. No, <laughs> no, I'll kill you. Aside. Incredible. You know, listen, listen, we're going to try not to dress the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happens we talked accident. about some of the legends yesterday that, that we grew up listening to. But when you get to listen to a guy that's been coming through your radio, whether he's making music or talking on the air, you know, you're listening to his opinion. You get to shake his hand. You get to take a photo with him. That, to me, is the fun part. But, you know, from a selfish perspective for us, you and I get to meet our listeners. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, to it's meet pretty those great. veterans and cops and firefighters and business owners and couples and wonderful people so it's going to be a lot of fun we're going to drink some bourbon some beer we're going to eat some barbecue we're going to do a panel discussion of us and jesse kelly tracy bird's going to perform josh fuller band's going to perform 
It's going to be a heck of a good time. Thank you, Michael, for pulling all together. We're excited, yes. and thanks for welcoming uh, us here to your home city in, in Houston. Check out the Michael Barry Show, everybody. You know him. You know him here on KTRH and other stations across the country. Michael, thank you. i got to say a big thanks. You guys let me guest host at Christmas. That was a bucket list dream come true. I really appreciate it. You guys are wonderful. You thank you for job. doing that, yeah, for sure. So and by the way, i got to clean something up. I said that Tennessee was the volunteer state because of the war in 1836 when Texas became independent. There were a lot of Tennesseans there. We're the volunteer state because of the war of 1812. Oh, and man. I know Did there's going to be people you? out. I know there's people out there. I haven't even checked my phone. Big audience, I, I, I know there are Tennessee nerd card they, on they, they, are, they are coming after me for making that historical air live on the radio. So I want to fix that. Uh, you know, Buck and I, Pure Talk customers. Pure Talk provides the same great quality of 5G cell phone service as AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile without the big price tag. Monthly unlimited starts at 30 bucks a month. We've told you how much we love the service, but guess what? We're not the only ones. We're hearing from people all over over the nation. Douglas from Indiana offered this up. He finally made the change to Pure Talk after hearing it advertised here on the radio. When he switched to Pure Talk, it cut his cell phone bill in half. He found out their customer service was very helpful and friendly, and now, well, he's recommending Pure Talk to his friends. Thanks, Douglas in Indiana. You can kick Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile to the curb, only pay for the service you need. Unlimited talk, text, six gigs of data, just $30 a month from your cell phone right now. Dial pound 250, say Pure Talk, you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Literally, you can switch over in less than 10 minutes. Dial pound 250, say Pure Talk. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Welcome back into the Clay and Buck Show. Coming to you live from Houston today. Uh, thanks to uh, Michael Barry and also our friend Jesse Kelly for making us feel so welcome here. And the people all across Houston who will be joining us tonight. And I'll be at the rodeo tomorrow with producer Allie. And uh, we're going to be, I don't know, Clay, I don't think I'm not going to get on horseback, but maybe maybe uh, we talked about donkeys. They move a little slower, a little closer to the ground. I just, viral moment, you getting uh, bucked uh, off of a horse or donkey and ending up on the ground. I, I just yeah. think that that's going to be a meme that would be shared for a long time to come. Buck gets bucked. That would yes. definitely keep it going. And I would probably have a sling on my arm for a while doing radio in here, and that would be best-case scenario. But nonetheless, great to be down here. And and it's interesting to see yet another place in the country where it's uh, pretty much normal. I mean, people are living life here, and we're getting closer to that in a lot of other places. But in... New York City, the fight is still underway, and as we've been saying to you, the mission is not to allow them, the Democrats, the Biden regime, to give us back basic freedom and dignity uh, slowly, to, get to, to push the crumbs off the table of freedom toward us. So we say, oh, thank you so much. You mean I can... You mean I can breathe normally? You mean my kid doesn't have to be masked up for eight hours a day in school? I'm not saying thank you to any of them. I got something else I want to say to them, but I can't say it on radio. Here's a, an example of, of what I'm talking about. Uh, you have Governor Kathy Hochul, who is talking about the, the bullying of children who continue to wear masks and how we need to be on guard against this. Play 18. We'll not have any tolerance for people who are questioning someone's own personal decision to do what they want. If people want to continue wearing masks, they allow it to be continue wearing masks, and I don't want any issues related to that, and I want to be very clear on that. We will not stand for any bullying or ostracization or harassment of an individual or a business or anyone who chooses to wear a mask. This, to me, is the classic tactic of the left. Remember we talked about yesterday with the transgender agenda, and I said courtesy and, and politeness and manners was a way that they got a, a lot of us to comply. Okay, just be nice. Just use the preferred pronoun. Here it's don't don't tell people the mask is so important to them. Don't bully. No one's talking about bullying, but they're acting like explaining. And this is, of course, a reference to what Ron DeSantis did with those high school kids, explaining that masking in public is not only no longer necessary from a legal perspective, but was never sane from a medical perspective is not bullying. I think you're doing a kindness to people now when you of course, the way you say it matters when you say, hey, you really don't have to do that, you know. It what? really doesn't help you, and it makes everyone else feel a little bit weird. Well, it's ironic that she's worried about bullying now. Yep. Because I felt like I was bullied to have to wear a mask for two years at 
so many different places where there was no justification whatsoever to wear it. So bullying to me, you can't suddenly change the policy and then accuse people who you've been forcing to wear masks of bullying you when the DeSantis clip is a great example. They actually point out that you're doing something that is nonsensical and without scientific basis. In fact, and this goes to where we're going to be as a country. And I don't know how this is going to resolve itself or how long it's going to take. But eventually everyone is going to be arguing by and large. I really do believe this, that they always knew that masking didn't make sense. In the same way that nowadays, if you ask somebody who was uh, around during Vietnam, almost everyone who was uh, involved in Vietnam, you may have gotten drafted discussing it, almost everyone now says, yeah, I knew Vietnam made no sense. This is the way that the lockdowns and the masking and all of the COVID craziness that we've had to deal with, including airplanes, everybody is eventually going to say, Buck, oh, I knew no kid should ever wear masks. I knew no kid. I knew it made no sense to ever wear a mask on an airplane when many of those people who later say it are the ones who are the zealots and have been bullying people like you and me if we pull down our mask for a fraction of a second. New York City Mayor Eric Adams, bring it into the city level from the state level with Hochul, is still, I mean, so so everyone understands this. The data for vaccines showed that, what was it, 5 to 12-year-olds effectively got no benefit from the boosters, I think it was. Or no, no benefit from the vaccine. The at all. Vaccine, at all. In, in terms so, of getting the virus. Right. So you, 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 whether you get the whether you get the vaccine or not, as a five to twelve year old, has the vaccine did not stop the spread, which we've known for a long time. And your odds of dying as a child in that age range from COVID, remember, you can't get the vaccine doesn't stop you from getting it. Your odds of dying if you get it is something like one in a million. I mean, it's something that is so remote that you would not worry about those odds in any other aspect of your child's life. Meanwhile, and it, it, it's even hard to keep all this stuff straight. For those who are in uh, in K through uh, K through twelve schools, mask mandate is uh, is gone. But if you are, I think three, four, and five in in pre K, that stays somehow. But he, here's the mayor, Eric Adams. Play clip sixteen. Beginning Monday, March seventh, we will be suspending the requirements, and so. Folks can come in and enjoy the restaurants, enjoy the businesses, and be a part of this great city without having to show proof of vaccination. So that means our restaurants, our businesses, and our concert venues will no longer need to require patrons to provide this proof. As of this week, the school's positivity rate is 0.18%. So I'm announcing today that we are lifting the indoors mask requirements for DOE schools between K through 12 starting Monday, March 7th. Just one thing, Clay. Notice that in New York and in California and with the CDC and the Biden regime, the words they use are lifting, suspending. You don't hear them really say ending. Yes. And I think everyone needs to pay close attention to that. You don't hear them saying, you know, we're here in Texas. Texas had a mask mandate for a while. You know, uh, our, our friend Michael Berry said he didn't think that the governor here did a great job during COVID. And you got to remember, there were state, there were red states that fell for the madness for a while, too. There's no doubt. And that's why I think this election, this midterm, we have to send a message that there are consequences for the mask insanity. That there are consequences for the vaccine mandate. Buck, think about this now. New York City is ending the requirement that you have to show that you had a vaccine in order to go into a McDonald's, right? And I think when people look back on this, it's going to be wild. Remember, you've never had to show proof of vaccination to do anything in this country before, including for viruses that are far more serious, right? You've never had to show, if you're going to go get a Big Mac, that you've had a vaccine for measles, it never required. And so don't underestimate how radical the proposition that you had to show a vaccine card in order to enter into a basic business was. And don't underrate once they have set the precedent that they can do it. As soon as the midterms are over, what do we know? First weekend, first week in November, still early in the fall, 
early in the winter season. Virus season has not peaked. We know the virus, typically in the United States, past couple of years has peaked around January 15th or 20th. So I believe what's going to happen is many of these blue state governors, many of these blue city mayors are going to re-implement mask mandates, potentially vaccine mandates, as soon as the midterms are over. I wonder what they're going to do this summer when it, when it comes to the media coverage of what's clearly going to be a an you know, there'll be COVID cases again in the South, no in doubt, the southeastern United States and Florida, Florida in particular. They're going to start, and I think that they're so brainwashed and shameless and dishonest in the national media that going to the election they'll say, "Well, see, unlike in the blue states, after Omicron, and everything else." Florida's not obeying the the new updated the new updated guidance. You know that we we're, they're going to stick to this narrative in some ways. I think as crazy as that sounds, think about how crazy they've been up to this point. But we'll get into more of this coming up here. Plus the latest on the not just the situation on the ground in Ukraine, but the U.S. policy discussion about this one, which is getting getting more heated, understandably so. How many days a week do you wake up in agonizing pain? Well, here's the thing. It doesn't have to be that way. Not with Relief Factor available to you. Created by doctors and perfected over 15 years of scientific research, Relief Factor is a 100% drug-free product that was made for you. Our friends at Relief Factor have developed a three-week quick start pack. You take Relief Factor three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for three weeks, and you'll know if it works for you or not. Hundreds of thousands of people have tried, and about 70% of them have gone on to order more. That's amazing odds. Relief Factor works for 7 out of 10 people. Are you one of those 7 out of 10 who can live their life now in less pain? Brian in Alabama is one of those having success with Relief Factor. Three weeks after he started taking Relief Factor, 90% of his pain was gone. Join the more than half a million people and order the three-week quick start for only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to get the $19.95 three-week quick start developed for you Go to relieffactor.com or call 800, the number four relief, Relief Factor. Feel the difference. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is that is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. 
Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Final hour of the week. We are now into a new month in March. Encourage you to go download and subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you don't miss a single moment. Hour one, hour two, hour three. Best of. All of it will be up. You can search out my name, Clay Travis. You can search out Buck Sexton. Have not yet gotten the official numbers, have we, for February to see whether or not we set another all-time record. But we are cautiously optimistic that that will be the case. And we need you to continue to join the brigade, stand up for the Clay and Buck Show on the podcast universe. Also appreciate all of you. We're going to have a big event tonight. Texas Barbecue Beer and Bourbon, a blowout uh, event with uh, the two of us, Michael Berry, Jesse Kelly, down here in Houston. We are broadcasting at KTRH. You know where we will be tonight at our event here in Houston. What you don't know is where in the world as Buck Sexton would call him, the tiny Smurf Dr. Fauci is going to be. We, I think we were the first people to start to ask this question, Buck. I didn't see very many other people in media pointing out that as the CDC made the decision to change the rules surrounding masking and vaccine mandates and everything else, suddenly Fauci disappeared in the lead-up to the uh, State of the Union address Fauci, who would do every media outlet on the planet, you would see him multiple times a week on CNN, MSNBC, quoted all the time, the New York Times uh, and uh, the Washington Post. Suddenly he's gone. And you'll remember, if you listen to this program, that we have been offering for Dr. Fauci to come on to this program forever. And the Fauchmeister uh, responded and said, hey, I'm too busy to come on the Clay and Buck show, which is, you know, not to brag or draw attention to ourselves, but the biggest radio show in the country. And we've been wondering, where is Fauci? Is he hiding in the couch cushions yes. over at the MSNBC green room? Has Fauci fallen into a desk drawer at the NIH and some late-night janitor closed it up with them yelling in there, put on your mask, what's going on? I can't see, it's dark in here. So Dr. Fauci has been doing podcasts and YouTube shows with virtually no audience. In fact, Dr. Fauci this week recently appeared, and by the way, credit to uh, was it Jordan Shachtel, I believe, yeah. who tracked this all down. Uh, you can read about it with him. You can read about it at OutKick. One of my guys wrote about it. Uh, he appeared on an online streaming show called Woke AF, and that's woke as, as I'm sure you can imagine what that might stand for. There is virtually no audience. He also then has been going on local public access te- television shows in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, this is embarrassing. I mean, he is so unbelievably desperate to be able to be heard. And by the way, he's continuing to rail against the unvaccinated. He's continuing to argue for, stop me if you've heard this before, stringent restrictions surrounding COVID. But my goodness, I got to be honest with you, Buck. I love that even the Biden administration has finally said to Fauci, you're out of here, bud. They basically have, have, have canceled him. So let's look at what this really is telling us all. Fauci was a political tool all along. And he identified that he's a, an NPR listening, CNN watching, New York Times reading lib and wanted that side of this debate to be his side of it. He wanted to do. He never once told Democrats, whether the Biden administration or any Democrat governor, something they did not want to hear on COVID, which is remarkable when you think about it, given how much wrongness there was from the establishment the health establishment about COVID and the, and the apparatus of COVID control. And and now you see, I'm just wondering if Fauci at some point is going to show up and you're going to see him, you know, just in like some local basement doing off, off, off Broadway <laughs> theater shows like my name is Fauci. I'm here to tell you to mask up. To continue to mask, and there'll be seven people in the audience, three of whom are drunk and don't even know where they are. I mean, he, this guy is addicted to attention. He was all along. The, the there were a few early indicators for why I knew, and Clay, you knew, you knew mask. I don't know when did you, when did you decide before I, I get into this. When did you say to yourself, oh, this guy Fauci's a problem? For me, by May of 2020, I was like, Fauci's a big problem. Yeah, May, and I think I'm like a lot of people out there listening, Buck, uh, because we're about to come up on uh, two-year anniversary of 15 days to stop the spread. I was willing. I didn't think it was really smart, 
But I was willing in March of 2020, I said, okay, maybe this 15 days thing will work. Uh, but I wanted things to be back to normal really quickly. And by, I think May is a good, good example. Maybe even late April, you, you were like, Hey, by Easter, we have to be back yep. to normal. I got to give you credit because I, I was not an Easter guy, but soon after Easter of 20, I said, Oh my God, this is crazy. Yeah. And I got fired up, uh, about the fact that kids weren't going back to school. And it, it, by May, I was, I was done with the Fouchmeister. The, the, there was a debate. I think some folks will remember it now. Uh, within the Trump administration, and Trump was thinking about calling for Easter of 2020. So that would have been early April, a, a, essentially a full reopen. Yep. We're not doing this. And I, I was public about it. I said, this we got to push through. I know that there are going to be problems. I know there's going to be more COVID, but we cannot change our society for this. And man, did I get dragged online for that one. Of course, turned out it was all true and correct. And, you know, no one ever writes and says, I'm sorry about all the death threats I wrote you. That was a little hysterical of me. I do like the criticism of you when people said you were Thanos. That's actually pretty funny. That was was a little bit entertaining, (laughs) but I I will say. For people out there who don't have kids, Thanos, spoiler alert, snaps his fingers and half the people die. And so the idea that Buck was, I I actually give credit to that criticism uh, and and think it's a little bit funny. But yeah, Yeah. you were were at the early, early... uh, Vanguard. There, there was, I, I was there. Jesse Kelly was there. There are a few of us who were just like, this is total madness. There should not be, we, sh- we cannot do this more than, than two weeks to slow the, we cannot do this beyond the two weeks to slow the spread. And I mean, I, I mentioned this a, a second ago, um, because I, I actually am, I'm trying to troll tweet Pete Buttigieg, the transportation I secretary. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going after these people now. I, I want answers. And and you have uh, Buttigieg. Do we? I think we have that clip somewhere, right? He was asked. If we don't have it. We can get it. He was asked. Well, you know what? Before we get to that one, I've been saying for a while that this is a a mental health issue for people now who continue to wear masks outside. Clay, there were pro mask demonstrators singing. Now that this is not going to be pleasant for your ears, folks, but you need to hear the lunacy. Play clip 15, pro-mask demonstrators in New York. One's mask for friends, it's not about you, also not hard to do. Just because we're tired doesn't mean it's over. Mandate masks, that's our ass. Masks for seniors, masks for kids, it's not about you, also not like the flu. Just because we're tired doesn't mean it's over. Mandate masks, that's our ass. Just because we're tired doesn't mean it's over. These people need serious counseling. There's something Regulate wrong with Regulate us harder is basically what they are screaming at the government. And to your point, we're talking about March 18th, in theory, would be the day when the federal mask mandate, the CDC, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, put in place for uh, airplane travel, for subways, everything else, buses. Uh, he was asked whether the CDC will let him drop the mask mandate on planes and trains. And it's not going to surprise you that our esteemed uh, Mayor Pete, who at least to his credit is finally back off of his paternity leave, uh, he didn't have a good answer here. Play cut 19. Planes, trains, are we going to be wearing masks forever? There hasn't been any change to to the guidance that's currently in effect. Uh, and, and you can imagine why, if you think about uh, the, the guidance that thankfully has come out that's allowed us in, in a lot of different places, in Washington, for example, where the transmission is considered low, to move into kind of a new uh, a new stage with regard to these masks. You got a plane, you might have 100 different people from 99 different counties, some of which are low, some of which are high, some of which are in between. And so the strategy is a little bit different. But the question about how long it's going to be required, that's going to continue to be based on the findings of the CDC. So he sounds like a blathering moron, but I would I would try to give him the credit of he's just too much of a coward to speak the truth. I don't think he's so stupid that the Secretary of Transportation thinks what he just said makes a damn bit of sense. I don't I don't think he's that dumb because he does sound like a true moron and and I think he's just a dishonest little political coward, which I mean that's been true for a long time. Clay the CDC does not make law. This is the I, the whole I, time yes. this has been the game. We're waiting for the guidance. We're waiting for the guidance. Biden, the Biden administration could say, you know what? No, 
We're, we're done. They could do that tomorrow. This thing of, oh, we're just letting the experts make the decisions. And then we go to the experts and we say, hey, why are you making these stupid decisions? They say, we're not making the decisions. The government's making the decisions. The White House making the decisions. This is evading accountability from totalitarians who are idiots. Also, That's what they're doing. Buck, the CDC just changed the definition of what a significant outbreak was, which is how they managed to end the mask mandate. There are more people dying with COVID today than were dying with COVID a year ago on the state. So the idea that the CDC is in some way relying on science, they could snap their fingers tomorrow and say, you know what? We've changed the metrics by which we analyze whether people need to wear masks on airplanes. They don't exist anymore. And by the way, I thought of when I was done with Fauci. I remember my answer now. Had to go back in time into my brain, pull it out. My birthday's April 6th, Buck. So... In 2020, on April 6th, in the middle of still the early part of the lockdown, in many ways, somebody knocked on the door in my house, went to the door, opened it, and I had had cupcakes sent to my house. Nice birthday gift from someone. And the person was delivering the cupcakes. And I said, wait a minute, cupcakes are considered an essential business? Because at that point in time, so many non-essential businesses, which that's one of the many flaws which existed. The All businesses are essential if you're employed by them or you own them uh, or you rely on them. I said, wait a minute. The cupcake business is allowed to stay open with no restrictions, and they're allowed to go door-to-door and deliver cupcakes? Now, look. I love cupcakes. Clay loves cupcakes. I'm so not coming down. We're not, we're not coming we, down on cupcakes. If Big Cupcake is listening right now, I'm not trying to cancel you, Big Cupcake, all right? If Gigi's Cupcakes wants to come in and spend a million dollars with Clay and Buck, we'd be ecstatic to have you. But it ain't essential that you get cupcakes delivered to your house. And so at that point, I went out on my show and I just said, I'm done with essential and non-essential businesses because there's no way to justify this. So at that point in time... I was basically done with Fauci. That was early in April. Was, I remember that specific moment. It was all so arbitrary. Every aspect of the lockdowns, the mitigation, not only was it useless, it was arbitrary. It was actually worse than you. I, 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 I take that back. It's not correct to say that the lockdowns and the mandates were useless. They were hurtful. They were harmful. They were counterproductive. They made things worse. It's not just that they didn't. Yeah, masks don't work very well. But you had to wear masks all the time, and people now have uh, speech impediment issues, and people have learning loss, and people have uh, you know uh, skin problems, and all kinds of you know additional health issues that came from this that have been suppressed up to this point. But I'll tell you real quick, because I know we got to keep moving along here, Clay. For me, as soon as I found, first of all, the the Fauci don't wear a mask in public; it's silly. And then a few weeks later, it's like, of course you should wear a mask. I knew, I'm like, this guy is just a he's a bureaucrat. He's going with the winds of politics right now. That's all he's doing. But when I found out that he was calling Chris Cuomo at home every night when he had COVID to check in on him for like 10 days or seven days or whatever the, the you know, the quarantine period was, it's like there are thousands and thousands of seniors dying all over the country. We're getting overwhelmed by you know, all these different ideas about what we should do and shouldn't do with the pandemic. You're going to call you know, weightlifter, 45-year-old <laughs> Cuomo at yeah. home every day to check on him because he was a little quizzling suck-up to power. And I knew that. As soon as I found that out, I was like, ugh. But I'm, I'm, we're looking for Fauci. He might have fallen into a thimble somewhere, you know, or, or a little bucket or something. I don't know, a little tiny Fauci. He's missing in action right now. I'm still furious over the distinction between essential and non-essential businesses because I started a small business. I was fortunate I was able to continue to run everything that we did at OutKick through the COVID mess. I had employees. We had to make, uh, you know, uh, make the payments and, 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 and budget and everything else. But for those people who lost their business... Because of that idiot tyrant, and I have to be careful what words that I use, I still feel sick to my stomach that we did that to small business owners who put their entire heart and soul into their business. A lot of them, tons of them listening to us right now, forced to shut down because we listen to people like Fauci. And I don't think I'm ever going to get over it. And Buck, that's why I'm so fired up about November of this year. It has to be a reckoning. 
it has to be an ass-kicking of all ass-kickings. Mike Lindell, he's the inventor of my pillow. His team, Fittest for Pillows, introduced us to their ever-growing list of incredible products. How about towel sets, slippers, robes, mattress toppers, Giza sheeps, many more. And right now, i got to tell you, my wife is obsessed with these incredible uh, my slippers. She wears them everywhere, indoors, outdoors, take the kids to school, pick up the kids, and all of her girlfriends, she's bought them as well. And right now, you can get them for 50% off. And I guarantee you're going to wear these things, and you're going to say, man, these feel incredible. 50% off is a great gift. Maybe you got some friends and family that you want to just reward uh, with an incredible My Slipper shoe. Here's what you do. MyPillow.com. Click on Radio Listener Specials. Use the promo code Clay and Buck. I guarantee you, your feet are going to thank you. 60-day money-back guarantee. No risk. You can try them out for yourself. Plus, with our promo, you get a copy of Mike Lindell's book for free with your purchase. Use the code Clay and Buck. You can also call... 800-792-3269. That's clayandbuck.com. Use, sorry, mypillow.com. Use the code clayandbuck. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I wanna confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 